everyone. Welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. How's it going, Michelle? Good, good, good. Woo. It is now December. It is almost Christmas, and it's, it's a great time. It's cold outside is what it is. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, since it's the holidays, we have our first holiday drink, and it is called the... It's a long name. It is. I know. Peppermint I think we should bar- just like cut it to peppermint, freaking white Russian, and be done with it. Sorry. Okay. Say the long true. one, and then the we long can talk name about is it. peppermint bark rumchata white Russian, but we'll just call it a peppermint white Russian. There we go. And it's really tasty. It's it's, it's all booze. There's nothing. Yeah, else. It's, it's just super alcohol. potent. I was yeah. I as I'm finding now that my drink is gone that yeah it's pretty strong. And it doesn't taste Mm -hmm. like it at all. No. So what's in it is two ounces of vodka, one ounce of peppermint bark rum chata, and one ounce of Kahlua. And it's not very sweet, but it's very tasty and very dangerous. Please drink responsible. And that is for you, (laughs) Michelle. That felt very judgy. (laughs) (laughs) And pointed. Uh, (laughs) No, these are really tasty. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, this is very, uh, like, you want to, like, snuggle on the couch and watch a Christmas movie. Like, it's a perfect that drink That is, that. like, the absolute perfect time for this drink. Mm-hmm. Like, you've had your dinner already. You're mm-hmm. ready for a little dessert, a little snuggle. Boom. You got a boozy cocktail that you'll probably yeah. want to go take a nap after. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. It's just time to, it's time to stay home. So. Yeah. Probably a fire would be very nice in this Aww. situation. Some warm blankets. Mm. That sounds nice. I want a fireplace. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <I dream. laughs> Have you seen those heated uh, driveways? No. Yeah, people have heated driveways. So when it snows, <laughs> they just turn it on and the snow melts. I would like that. That's Why a new level of richness. What? Why aren't all of our roads heated? Oh, I know, right? Oh my God. That would be delightful. Right. Seriously. All right. I feel like, you know, what? you've made it in the world when you have a heated driveway. Yeah, I know. That's Fine. what I said. It's a new level of richness that uh, <laughs> I didn't even know existed. Too funny. <laughs> well, should we get into it? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So right, this rock sto- and roll. Sorry. Oh, I keep interrupting <laughs> you. I'm so sorry, Caitlin. What else sorry, is new, sorry. Michelle? I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. So this story is about Simon Hattonstone. So it is 2014, and Simon is a reporter in the UK. Okay. And he gets an interview with Gordon Brown, who was the UK Prime Minister. Okay. So this is a big deal. He's pretty. Yeah. Oh, I was just say he's a got to be a well-known reporter if he's freaking interviewing the Prime mm, Minister, right? Um, so he is actually, he had to travel to meet with him. So he is not close to home at the okay. time. But this interview didn't go well. Oh, no. Uh, I guess Gordon has a reputation for having a temper. And that sure came out during the interview. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, when Simon asked about Iraq, that was a soft spot for him and he wanted to talk about the scottish referendum so they got into a heated argument about that about what the interview is supposed to be about and what forth oh my goodness 
Once the heated argument and interview was over, Simon ends up going to Glasgow Curry House to eat and unwind from that terrible interview. Do you think there was a large cocktail involved? Like maybe whiskey? Like, however they say, like, I need three fingers of whiskey. (laughs) Well, what goes good with curry? Oh, I don't know. Everything? (laughs) Fair. Um, Vodka. Vodka goes with everything. That's right. If drink wine, maybe some sweeter Ooh, wine. That's a good one. Anyways, so so he calls Murdo. So he's actually the photographer on the assignment with him and tells them about the interview and just how it sucked. Um <laughs> it so didn't talk- go well, man. I gotta be no. honest. Actually, it didn't go well, mate. I gotta be honest. Isn't the <laughs> yeah. are we in the UK? Yeah. Oh, I won't do that again. It bloody sucked. <laughs> <laughs> he was a wanker. There you go. That's how he did. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> uh, so he was talking to him while he was eating, and that's when a piece of naan gets stuck in his throat. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> this is my worst nightmare. Like I'm gonna have to self heimlich myself on the counter or something. Oh god. Murdo was on the other line listening and couldn't do anything, but he now hears his coworker is now choking. Simon stumbles over to the bar and forces out the word war. <laughs> so, oh so the waitress was just like, oh, okay. So she's just like casually pouring oh, him a glass of water. But now the room is starting to spin for Simon and he knows that he is losing oxygen quickly and he remembers everything that went through his head. He states, I'm 100 miles away from home alone. I've had a stand-up row with one of Britain's few political giants, and my partner Diane and I aren't married, so she might lose the house because the inheritance tax, uh, what a shit way to die. That's (laughs) terrible. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's very, I don't know, realistic, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You're just not thinking, like, your life isn't flashing before your eyes. It's like, well, this is a shitty situation. Yeah. Oh, right? God. So as he's about to pass out, a waiter wraps his arms around him and performs the Heimlich maneuver. It took four good thrusts when the non flew across the room and his clo- and his throat was clear. Ugh. His throat was too scratched to speak, but tried to thank the waiter as best as he could. He sat down and cried and was in shock and just sat there until the restaurant closed. Oh, gosh. He woke up the next day and his ribs were in a lot of pain from all the, you know, thrusting of that waiter. That sounded weird. (laughs) I know, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine that that would probably break some ribs. I mean. I bet it could. Yeah. And to have enough, like, thrust to be able to shoot that non across Mm -hmm. the room. I mean, that had to be a pretty powerful Heimlich. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, whatever, whenever he moved, it hurt, but he said that was a very small price to pay. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. So he returned home and he didn't even tell his family about this incident because he was, he didn't want to worry them. And also they probably wouldn't let him go away for work again. <laughs> no, he, dude, you almost died in the restaurant. You're done. Yeah. You're home from now on. Exactly. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> So this is in 2014. So fast forward to March of 2022, which is a very good month, just to say. That's when I got married this year. So, Indeed, indeed. Uh, 
Simon takes his daughter, Maya, and his friend Priscilla to a London pub to eat. This was the first time Priscilla had been out to eat since the pandemic. So they wanted it to be nice and special and fun. Mm, Yes. They even got starters and ordered, he said, the best steak in the house. Mm. After the Mm. appetizers, Simon gets a call that his cousin has died. What? Yeah, I know. He went outside to call his mom and sister. He returned to the table to see his food has arrived. He describes it as the thickest, juiciest steak you've ever seen. He was talking about the call to the girls and getting a bit emotional as he starts to eat a steak. He chews it, but not enough, and again begins to choke. (laughs) Does he have, like, issues with his swallowing mechanism? Oh no! Oh, my goodness. Like, once you've choked once, like, now you have the potential to choke at all times? You know what? I wonder if that's something, like, once you choke once, it's easier for you to choke again. But I don't know if that's true. But it sounds, (gasps) I mean, who knows? This is very Uh, upsetting. (laughs) So he knew his time. He knew this time that it wouldn't go down naturally or with water. He goes to the bar, but can't even get words out and losing oxygen very quickly. He points to his back and starts hitting it miming a plea for help simon said to do like the uh put my hands up to my neck mm-hmm. like i'm choking i'm choking i don't know yep no that's a good one simon said the trouble is when you're choking you look batty or dangerous the kind of person you want to stay away from and people well, did they didn't like he yeah, was panicking, panicking and everyone just like whoa dude chill yeah, who's this guy what's he doing <laughs> So Priscilla tried the Heimlich maneuver, but didn't have the strength or know-how to get out uh, Mm. to help. Now Simon is turning blue, and his daughter is watching in terror. I know. Priscilla screams that he's choking. Everyone in the packed pub looked and stared at him, but no one did anything. Just watched him. Oh, my God. Simon thinks he has a minute left before he passes away or passes out. Oh, my God. He thinks that he had a good life, but he doesn't want to die. Then he feels arms wrapped around him with a clenched fist locked around his abdomen and then the push and up of the Heimlich maneuver. The angel arms is what he means (laughs) to say. They did this motion over and over again, and it wasn't until the fifth thrust that the piece of steak shot out. Everyone in the pub clapped. Simon lays on the floor exhausted. Maya was in tears while Priscilla and the waitress helps Simon up. Oh, my God. He goes outside and sits in silence to kind of gain composure. Once he did, he was able to go back inside to ask who saved him. He meets the man who is responsible, and he told him that he's never done the Heimlich maneuver before and that it was only when no one else came forward that he thought he'd give it his best shot. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Simon thought that I feel like being... I would have done that. I'd be like, yeah. I'm just going in. No one else is. I'm going in. Yeah, no, exactly. Simon thought that being saved from choking once was lucky. Twice was tempting fate. Simon thought it was time to learn how to look after himself and others. He watched videos about how to do the Heimlich maneuver on others and a video on how to do it yourself using a chair. Mm. According to a recent Office of National National Statistic Figures, an average of 351 people die every year in the UK due to choking. 
and I looked it up in the yeah. Well, I looked it up in the U.S. I didn't look up an average, but in 2020 in the United States, 4,963 people died of choking. Wow, a lot, right? That is a lot. My God, I'm gonna start cutting my steak a little bit smaller pieces. (laughs) I think. Simon believes that at least one member of the staff on duty in an eating or drinking establishment should know how to carry out the Heimlich maneuver. Simon states, as for me, I'm off to book a first aid course. I I think in Oregon, you do have to, like, you have to have so many people have to know, have to have gone through a CPR and first aid Mm -hmm. course. Like so many, every so many employees, you have to have someone go. So like... When we worked together, we had to have mm-hmm. like 10 oh, different right. people, you know, be able to know CPR and first mm-hmm. aid and the AED things or whatever, the defibrillators. Right. I'll give it a go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's not what I need at all. <laughs> Caitlin, be quiet. You don't know. <laughs> I'm literally talking to you. Shh. <laughs> uh, so <shirt>. choking. <laughs> Sorry. So choking is the oh. fourth leading cause of unintentional injury death. Oh my God. Isn't it crazy? Sorry, I'm like a little giddy now from the. <laughs> so this story was inspired because recently I was choking. What? Yeah. So. Oh my God, this is terrifying. So what's the whole story? What so were you I, I was having a little rough day and I was oh. talking to Nick about everything but i was eating sushi at the same time and sushi what kind of sushi tell me not no not sushi like i don't want to hear that you almost died because of sushi i did almost die so it was so weird because the choking was it wasn't in my throat it was like in my chest but i couldn't swallow it and i just kept hitting my chest and i'm like like trying to tell him something and i keep hitting my chest and he's like oh my gosh are you okay and then i keep hitting my back like I need you to hit my back. And my calm, collected husband, who usually, you know, is chill, he beat the shit out of my back. (laughs) He was like, he was panicking. He was just like slapping it as hard as he could. And now I'm all on all fours on the ground trying to get this out of my chest. Oh, can you not breathe at all? I could breathe a little bit. Yeah. But it was so weird. Like I said, it wasn't in my throat. It was in my chest. Like I couldn't swallow it all the way down i don't know it was like stuck and as he's beating it finally i like cough it up and then i puke it up and he's like it's okay it's okay is he still hitting me i'm like stop hitting me and i run to the bathroom and just but it was all it was awful i it was so weird it was a weird sensation of like holy shit like this is this is not good (laughs) yeah right it was uh but I choked before as a kid on a mozzarella stick because, like, the cheese pull was strong on this oh, mozzarella and you, stick. Like, swallowed half of it. Half and... of it, yeah. And one, it got stuck in my throat. And I didn't want to be a burden to my grandparents. So I'm like choking silently in the car in the back. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and so <laughs> luckily the cheese was strong and i grabbed the cheese and wrapped around my finger and like pulled it back up and i was fine don't worry grandparents don't even don't worry about me did they even know like at all later no i didn't tell them because i didn't want them to worry and i wanted mozzarella sticks again in my life 
So... <laughs> oh. So, moral of the story is chew your food. Chew it. Nick was just like, stop talking to me and chew your food. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I will probably it. why they don't want you to talk while you're eating. No, it's true. It's, Abs- that's true. Absolutely. It's not so, rude. It's for your own safety. Yeah. So please chew your food, everyone. Just take the time. And if you need to complain, have a drink instead. <laughs> <laughs> that It does scare uh, me, like, especially, you know, when you're home alone or, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of take a little bit too big of a bite or whatever. And it's like, oh, my God, I used to do that with bananas as a kid all the Mm. time I don't know what my problem was but I take these like giant bites and then just be like choking slash gagging oh my gosh Uh, oh terrible probably why I don't like bananas to this day bananas are the worst so (laughs) but that's the story of Simon so luckily (sighs) I'm glad you're safe I'm glad thank uh, you no, I forgot his name. What is Simon. it? Simon. I'm glad Simon is safe. I should have known that because yes. the whole time I was like, Simon says we could have a game oh, from this. That's cute. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, that's I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny. Well, all right, Michelle, it is your turn. Mm-hmm. All right, let me get a little sipper or drink. That probably wasn't wise, knowing how strong these drinks are. But seriously, here we are. All right. Well, this is um a pretty recent story. So it's May of 2022. So it's just earlier this year. So his story is about Darren Harrison, who has been fishing in the Bahamas. And so now he is getting ready to come home to Florida in a little single engine Cessna. Oh my God. Did I say that right? I don't know. Sounds good. Okay. Darren is the only passenger in this sort of six-seater plane. It's a Cessna 208 turboprop, and they're at this point sort of cruising at 12,000 feet above the Atlantic. Okay. So it's the pilot, the pilot's co-pilot, who actually is just kind of a buddy, it sounds like, of the Mm. pilot. Like, he's not a pilot himself, but he's up in the co-pilot chair. Yeah. And then uh, Darren in the back. So he's having, it's a low key flight. He's taking selfies. He's sending them to his wife, Brittany, who's at home uh, pregnant with their first child. And uh, he was actually in an offshore deep sea fishing tournament in the Bahamas. It was more than just like a fishing trip, but Mm -hmm. it's around noon. Again, it's early May. The weather is perfect. There's views all over. I mean, it's over the you know it over the atlantic or oh my god over the caribbean is what i was trying to say so okay. it's just you know it's gorgeous out everything's going well so the plane is being flown by our pilot ken allen and ken is 64 and he's he's been a pilot for some time and then again the co-pilot is his friend and his friend's name is russ frank who is 70 and again he's no pilot he's just there along for the ride He's having a good time. So there, the scheduled flight is 75 minutes and around 45 minutes in, Alan calls in, the pilot calls in to uh, the air traffic control and is like, hey, we're getting close. We're about 70 miles, you know, from landing. And so they tell him to descend down to 10,000 feet. And he says, 
November 333 Lima Delta Roger Miami Center, which is the plane's call sign. And so this comes up like a million times in this story. So I think mm -hmm. we'll just like November 333 or something. Okay. <laughs> like, fair, fair. like you want me saying this one million times. Okay. So we'll just call it. The call sign is November 333 now. A few minutes later, uh, the pilot is still continuing his descent and the right side of his head starts pounding like and it's just oh. like boom 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 like every time in his head and so every time his heart beats he feels like his head is being hit by a hammer and so he's like uh what the hell is this and he's like wincing in pain and out of his right eye he begins seeing this bright blue lights flashing and okay. he's just like uh guys I don't feel so good. And he kind of to let Harrison and his co-pilot know. And now the pain is super severe and the pounding in his head intensifies. So he's like, his voice is shaking and he's like, everything is fuzzy. And he really like for him, he recalls it as being like one of the most scariest moments of his life. Uh -huh. um, and so Harrison in the backseat, of course, or Darren, what should we call him? Darren or Harrison? <laughs> Whatever you want. I'll call him Darren. Okay. Okay. Darren immediately is like, what does that mean? Like, what is going on with you, pilot? Uh -huh. And he's like, I don't know. My head is killing him. I don't. And then he stops talking. <gasps> and Harrison realizes that he is now slumped down in his seat and the plane is careening towards the ocean. Oh my gosh. He's like, oh. So Darren manages to undo a seat and he's fighting all the g-forces from mm. their steep descent yeah so it's like it's just wanting to pull him back in a seat so right. he's fighting that to get up to the front seat and he's able to sort of stumble up there him and um the co-pilot are like shaking him and like hey wake up wake up and he's totally unconscious the pilot is totally out so and the plane is out of control it is oh plummeting. God. It's in doing a deep and dizzying dive of 340 miles per hour, like directly. <gasps> oh my gosh. So yeah, instead of blue sky, now they're seeing the white caps of the waves below. Oh and so yeah, and the and the waves are just getting bigger and bigger as the plane is quickly getting close to them. So now they're at 9,000 feet and then 8,000 feet and 7,000 feet. And all of the uh, Cessna's like alarms are like, ding, 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 like do something, do something, something's wrong. So the alarms are going off. And even though Darren has never taken a flying lesson or anything, he just let sort of common sense take over, as he likes to say, and got the pilot out of the way and just slowly started pulling the yoke back to try to bring try to gain altitude again, or at least okay. sort of bring it straight. So he knew that you had to do it slowly, which I didn't know. So <laughs> yeah, I had no so, idea. I guess if you go too fast, you'll cause the plane to essentially die and crash. Like you won't Whoa. have any power. And so okay. you got to sort of bring it up slowly gradually. Okay. and I would have been like, yank as hard as I can, you know, like they do mm -hmm. in the movies. <laughs> That's all where my experience comes from. <laughs> yeah, he said, if you pull up the yoke too quickly, the motor could stall or the wings could be ripped off. 
So <gasps> there's that. That's not good. So he was sort of squatting. He reaches over the unconscious pilot, grabs the yoke. Frank grabs the other yoke, uh, the co-pilot, and they start slowly sort of getting it back to where they're not in a total free fall. So they're able to actually get it leveled out around 4,000 feet. So, and then they sort of start climbing back up to 9,000 feet. Oh, wow. So okay. now they're holding steady. Mm-hmm. So they kind of gotten the situation under control. So they actually unbuckle the pilot's seat at that, or unbuckle a seatbelt and just sort of actually get them out of the way now. So the mm. two of them, they, they get a, the plane into a good place, get them out of there. And then Darren jumps into the pilot seat. Wow. So like, we're going to figure out how to do this thing. All right. So now oh, we're going to skip to over yeah. to the air wow. traffic control. Make it tower. or break it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and we have air traffic controller, Chip Flores, and he's been on duty since about 7 a.m. Again, we're around noon and it's been a pretty quiet day. I guess the winds had picked up. So a lot of the student pilots and things weren't out and about. So mm. it's been a pretty low key day for Chip. And Chip so, is such a cute name. I love I it. I know. His, it, <laughs> uh, it says Flores like throughout the story, but obviously. Oh. Chip. Yeah, mean, cute. I like it better. So Chip, 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 Chip. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I'll... All right. So Chip's quiet gets interrupted when he gets a November triple three Lima Delta come in. The call sign, of course, from our pilot, Alan, you know, but it's not Alan. It's, of course, Darren, who's flying the chip responds. And he's like, hey, it's the tower. Of course, he says it a lot more officially. I think (laughs) I'm just going to maybe not quote this directly. So going forward, I'm just, you know. Paraphrasing. Yeah, paraphrasing. In my own words. So Darren is like, guys, we've got a serious situation. The pilot is incoherent and unconscious. And I have no idea how to fly an airplane. And so Chip is like, what? (laughs) So he jumps up from his seat. He hits a button on his console that broadcasts the radio transmission through the whole control tower loudspeakers. Now everyone in the whole air traffic control tower is alerted to the emergency. Mm, And so pretty much everyone drops what they're doing and everyone listens. Oh, I'm sure. I imagine it's very much like a NASA call center from like over in Houston, whenever they're calling from the moon or whatever, and they, everyone's (laughs) there on their screen. Mayday, mayday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I like to imagine. It's probably not that at all, but whatever. So Chip asked Darren, he's like, what's your position? And Darren's like, I have no idea. I do see the coast of Florida ahead of me, but that's all. Like, I have no idea. So what Chip does not know is that all of the airplanes' uh, screens have actually gone blank. So in the struggle to get the pilot out of the seat, something got switched, which turned off all the screens. So the only thing that's working now is the compass, the Mm -hmm. altimeter, the attitude indicator, which I don't, I guess that's maybe how level you are. Um, oh, altitude or attitude? Attitude. So the altimeter, which is how high you are. Uh-huh. And then there's the attitude. Oh my God. Attitude indicator, which shows whether you're level or not. I need an attitude so- indicator with you, Michelle. I need an attitude <laughs> indicator with you. <laughs> Even more. <laughs> God, <I> kill you. 
Continue. You're not level Sorry. at all. <laughs> all right. What Chip does know, though, is that he may lose radio contact if the airplane continues on its course that is currently on mm. because it's going to fly out of their sort of radio transmission limits. And of course, he's very much concerned about Darren's, you know, pronouncing that he has no idea how to fly an airplane. Right. So <laughs> these are some concerns that he has. So Chip is like, I'm going to give him a quick flying lesson. That's what's going to happen. He fortunately actually used to be a, uh, a pilot instructor. So oh. he does have a lot of know-how on teaching people how to fly planes. So that's very fortunate. Mm-hmm. So he calmly tells them, just try to hold the wings level, see if you can start descending and push forward on the controls and descend at a very slow rate. The whole chip and the whole air traffic controller team is just like waiting on bated breath for his response. And Darren's like, yeah, now we're descending right now at 550 feet a minute. What heading <sighs> do I need at? And he then chip is not able to respond to him because they lose contact so, oh my gosh <laughs> so the airplane has flown just beyond the limit of their radio oh my god so now chip is like frantically trying to radio the plane and is like this is the tower this is the tower are you are you here are you here are you here you know he says are you on the frequency i don't know what the fuck that means so i'm assuming it's like are you there are you there right no so inside the plane, Darren and Frank are like, I think we lost contact. <laughs> <laughs> I think we went out because every time they wait for Chip's response, it's nothing but static. And so once again, they're on their own. So they're holding the plane steady. And they, uh, Frank is now trying to frantically figure out where they are. And like, even if they're flying in the right direction. <laughs> So they're realizing right. that maybe they're not. So Frank looks out the window and he's like, the coast is over there. We need to go west to get to the airport because he has been on this flight before. And so Darren nods and kind of slowly turns the plane sort of going back the other way, Okay, which hopefully brings him back into, you know, radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> transmission limits so frank is also sort of nudging alan you know our poor pilot and he's like you know hang in there ken hang in there my friend you know and i guess he's moving around a little bit but for the most part he's totally unresponsive wow okay so the flame mm, so the plane now flies into the palm beach international airport airspace and oh. the air traffic controllers over there sort of take over for um, CHIP. Okay. And their main mission is to find someone who can teach a passenger who has never flown how to land a plane. They found Robert Morgan. He was sitting outside. He was reading a book on his break. And um, he is was an air traffic controller and also a flight instructor. And so he hears his page and he's like, we need you in here immediately. So he ends his break and heads on in and they're like, Hey, we've got passengers flying a plane and the pilot's unconscious. Can you help us land? And he's immediately thinking like, are you guys serious? This is like a movie. This doesn't actually happen. He sits down at the radar scope 
I'm assuming that's a little screen that's like bleep bleep and shows the oh. plane in the area. Yeah. Welcome for sure. my sound effects and <laughs> bleep amazing. bleep. Good. <laughs> <I know. laughs> He's like, what am I going to tell this guy? So he ends up radioing to our the Cessna. And he's like, we're going to try to get you down in the Boca Raton airport. Like, we got you. We're going to uh -huh. help you. And Darren's like, I'm not a pilot. Oh, my God. I can't talk. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Those drinks are out. And I only had one. If I was with I had you, two. I would have and not been able to drive home, I think. <laughs> God. <sighs> okay. Darren responds, I'm not a pilot and my screens are black. And he's like, no problem. I want you to make a shallow turn towards the north and hold steady at 3,000 feet. And so he's like, okay. So Darren tries to kind of follow what he says. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Morgan's like, you're looking good. You're doing great. Keep on going. And pretty much he's just really trying to reassure him. He's like, don't worry, I'm here for you. And just being very calm and being, you know, we're going to get you through this. So he tells him to maintain his height at 3,000 feet, start to make that shallow turn. And apparently if you turn too steeply, you will just cause the plane to swirl and crash into the ocean in this oh. case. Like, okay. it makes me never want to fly in a plane again. No, like, absolutely not. Especially a little one. Forget it. Like, all the, you overcorrect a little bit and boom, you're mm -hmm. dead. You do this other thing, boom, you're dead. Forget it. Anyway, so all the while, while Morgan is helping Darren sort of bring his plane in closer, all the people at the actual airport are like jumping into action. So they're all ready for an emergency. Like they're bringing in the ambulances. They're sort of evacuating the runway in case it doesn't go well when he lands. There's tons of emergency responders all over the place. So up in the plane, Darren and Frank are like glued to their headsets listening to the instructions on how to land the plane. So they're like scanning the ground, looking for landmarks, trying to familiarize themselves with where they are. And Darren sort of is practicing controlling the altitude by like sort of pushing the yoke forward and going down a little bit and then pulling it up and going up a little bit. So he can just sort of get a feel for the airplane a little bit more, which is probably okay. smart. Yeah. So now we're like six miles south of the airport and they're like, you should start seeing the airport straight ahead and you need to descend down to 2000 feet. So Darren is able to descend actually pretty easily, but Morgan is starting to grow concerned because he's going too fast. Like the plane is going way too fast for a safe landing. Mm -hmm. So, and there's the wind that we talked about earlier. I guess the there's 28 miles per hour crosswinds that are all swirling around and it can make a small plane difficult to land. It can throw it off course, I guess, really easily. So he tells them to make a slight turn west to, I guess, kind of accommodate for it. You're just going to any pretty much we're going to bring you down out of the west, give you more, more time to get lower and get yourself lined up perfectly with the runway. Mm -hmm. And so he sort of makes his way down and sort of makes his approach to the 
giant runway. I guess this runway is huge. Uh, it's probably for big airplanes, <laughs> like, you know, normal commercial jets. Right. So they're like, we're going to slow you down. You need to use this black throttle control and pull that back and keep your speed at 110 knots. Probably more details than you care to know. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like, good to me. I mean, I don't understand at all. You're doing great. <laughs> so he's actually able to get it slowed down. And like everyone in the air traffic control tower is like glued to their radar screens, like mm -hmm. watching him come in. And uh, so it, and he got his speed under control as he's starting to get to the end. He's like, I don't know how to use the brakes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. What do I do when I land? And he's like, you just put your when you get on the ground, you put your feet on top of the pedals and apply a little bit of pressure. And he's just like, you got to be gentle. And he's just super calming through the whole thing as denoted by my calm voice. <laughs> Obviously. Good job. Um, what he doesn't mention is that putting too much pressure on the brakes too early can blow a tire and then you can go careening off the, you know, the fucking runway. It's like one more other thing that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. So he goes down 600, 500, 400 feet. He's doing great. He's about a mile away, 300 feet up, and he's on target to land. And then all of a sudden, the plane disappears from the radar <gasps> of all of them. And they're no. like, are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, he's like, I'm here. I'm on the ground. <laughs> What? It's like, yeah, somehow they like lost connection. All of their radar screens blacked out and for about 10 seconds. And then all of a sudden he was on the ground and he's like, how do I stop this thing? And he's like, just use the two, the toe bricks gently. And so he was able to like slow it down. And then everyone like bursts out and cheers and it's all amazing. And you've done it. And he's, I'm just saying you know. my heart rate is like 102 right now. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. No, he's like, um, in fact, he kind of, uh, Darren sort of jokes. He's like, you want me to taxi this thing off the runway? Like, oh my gosh. It's all safe. And they like, everyone was like, this guy is incredible. So Darren ended up saving the day. So ambulances, let's go to our pilot again. Yeah. Oh ambulances yeah. We're there to meet Alan and rush him to the nearby Palm Beach Gardens Medical Center. And he was diagnosed with aortic dissection, which is hmm. a tear in the inner layer of the aorta, which is often <gasps> fatal. So Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, his like aorta like burst kind of. And oh. so doctors operated immediately and uh he's expected to make a full recovery. So oh my <laughs> The story is just everywhere, my god. No, yeah. So he had like a little tear in his main artery there. And, or is that a heart chamber? Oh, fuck. I don't know the parts of the heart. I forgot him. I don't know either. So, as long as they work, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so My that's goodness. apparently don't ignore if you have a pounding like a hammer and see flashing blue lights. Call 911 immediately. I guess. I feel like that's a migraine for me. <laughs> I know. I was like, I feel like I'd probably ignore that. Right. But I don't usually pass out from my headaches. So that's I true. I don't that. pass out as well. So I would telltale sign. Wow. The fact that that, I think really if that when that guy stayed so calm, like you're doing great, giving him really clear instructions, I think that is very helpful. 
Because yeah. if I'm in a panic situation and I have my husband just like, you know what? This is good. Here's our options. I'm like, okay, it's going to be. I'm going to hit you on the back really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're not going to die, bitch. Not on my watch. So. Thank you, Nicholas. No, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's, it's, it's hard to stay calm and collected though. Cause if I was flying a plane, I had no idea what I was doing. I would panic. If it was you and me in the plane. Oh, show. could you even fucking imagine? I'd be crying in the corner and you'd be like, bitch, do something. <laughs> Can you at least look for the oh land? My gosh. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. No, I don't really like flying. Like, I don't know. It's just no, stressful. Really the whole situation like is stressful, man. That's why my heart rate probably went up because I'm like, oh, I couldn't <laughs> even imagine being in That's that situation. Hilarious. Well, just those little small prop planes have always kind of given me pause already. I've never actually flown in a plane that small. And I don't know, right. in all the movies, those are the ones that crash. So. Right. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Scary, man. Ugh. But that's a great story. And that happened this year. That's crazy. Yeah. And everyone survived. And everyone is good. No, he said he just used a lot of common sense, which is good. And, you know, he kept a steady head through it and knew he could not die because he had his wife with their unborn daughter at home. And it's just like, I'm not leaving them behind. So. How sweet. My goodness. Serious. (laughs) Crying all over. Seriously. Those are really good stories. My goodness. Uh. (laughs) So don't eat and don't fly. I don't know. So you make sure you eat. Just chew your food. And maybe don't even drink because if my, (laughs) oh my God, my storytelling. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry, Uh, Caitlin. It's so funny. It's time to wrap. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Oh my goodness. Those are great stories to kick off the Christmas season. I don't know. I know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, everyone survived. That's the that's the point. Everyone survives. Everyone so it's survives. A happy we ending, had peppermint right? in our drink. We're ready to go. You can't go wrong with peppermint. You can't go wrong with peppermint. Love it. No. I don't know. Have you bought I any? Love... Huh? Have you bought any peppermint vodka? I still have four bottles from last year because I had so many people bought them for me because they know I love it so much. And then I've been hoarding it for the whole year. So I have like four bottles now. So time to break those babies out. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm very excited. That's the thing. I'm like, I think I like peppermint more than pumpkin spice, which is weird for me to say, but oh, I think I also like peppermint more than pumpkin spice. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, I know you and your, we talked about that last time, you and your pumpkin. No, it's Joel that doesn't like pumpkin. Last episode, you said you're not really a fan of pumpkin. And I'm like, what kind of basic white bitch are you for not liking pumpkin spice? Oh, no, I don't like pumpkin pie. So I guess, yeah, maybe I don't like, I like pumpkin loaf. I just like, if I have a choice between apple pie and pumpkin pie, I'm going apple every time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like it's okay. time to go. Goodbye. It is time to go. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> so, we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and please have a safe holiday season. And we'll Sorry, see you guys next so time. Drunk. Yeah, right. Be careful with these drinks. All right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>